Kiora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello, Chris. Hello, Mark. On this fine, was it Tuesday evening? Yes. It, I am good, thank you. We've never really given the date before, but perhaps we should. It's the 26th of May, 2020. Well, oh, just puts me under pressure to actually publish the thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, with the increase in stress, Chris, are you coping with life? Well, we've uh, what we've moved in New Zealand, that is, we've moved to level two. Ooh. I know, I'm quite looking forward to getting to the basement. Well, anyway. it's, not, it's not really level two. Well, um, it's, no. it, it's, it's like level 2.5, maybe 2.6. Um, and then, um, yeah, then we get to go, if we're really good people, we get to go to bigger groups later on this week. Yeah, so at the moment we're limited to, what is it, groups of 10 people at any one time? I know, it's only if you're in a religious organisation, Chris. If you're in a pub or a club or a restaurant or a you gambling institution or a gym, you can go to 100. Ah, okay. Well, hmm. but it's 100 on Friday, right? Yes. Hmm. Just in time for my daughter's birthday, actually. She's turning 12. She's really excited. And, uh, you know, that means she can have, well, 10 friends as opposed to the... There was always there's going to be a friend we're going to have to cut, cut out. You know, <laughs> it was, oh, it's hard work. Hmm. You don't want to cull that friend. No, no. You, you never, never know what gift they might give you. Yeah, especially at the age of 12, you know. Yeah, so, I used um, to get to 12 in the family. Yeah. Oh, they're great. Oh, I hope so. Ah, oh, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I'm a nine-year-old boy. is a very nine-year-old boyish at the moment. Yes. Mm. And you've got a new addition to the house, Chris. Uh, yes, we have adopted a uh, gorgeous, well, good, yeah, I like, yeah, gorgeous, um, Kelpie Terrier Cross dog. A Kelpie Terrier Cross. Okay. You're going to have to be better than that, Chris. Well, so a Kelpie is an Australian cattle dog, so it's very good at rounding up cattle. Uh, and a terrier, well, it's a terrier. We They're good really at rabbiting. Well, we don't really know what type of... It's 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 a it's a bits of dog, you know, bits of this, bits of that. Okay. Uh, we've adopted it. It's, um, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be really helpful with, um, you know, your farm, farm work, I imagine. Uh, well, yeah, I mean... Uh, is it riding on the back of the uh, motorbike yet? Yeah, yeah, I mean, li- living in, uh, you know, the eastern suburbs as I do, um, you know, we, we we have actually got, the local walk we've got is through farmland, actually. Yeah, it's, so it's sh- got it's cows. pretty close to you as well. No, cows, it's cows. Cows as well. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you are rural. Yes, oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. what's news with you, Mark? Have you got any new pets or uh, anything like that? No, I have the stupidest dog in the world, but uh, that's oh, okay. all right. Okay. <laughs> I went to take it for a walk the other night and it just disappeared. I was all excited. Yes, yes, yeah, I'm going for a walk. It just popped down to see my mother-in-law. When well, that was it. <laughs> and it's like, uh, okay, I'll go walking without you then. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yes, but before I slander any other animals, should I do the disclaimer? <laughs> Just what? Just in case, um, what they call Peter listening? Uh, that or my mother-in-law? Well, well, she won't be listening. No, that's true. Yes, disclaimer uh, way, Mark. We we uh, do love a good disclaimer, and this is one of the best disclaimers. Sure. Uh, the uh, views and opinions 
uh, expressed on this podcast are ours and ours alone and don't represent anyone we work for or work with uh, and often said in satirical context, although maybe we only only we find them funny. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure we raise a, a, a wry smile, maybe a titter, perhaps. Uh, yeah, or a yeah. cringe. Or, well, I, I should hope so. We're both dads. Yeah, a few dad <laughs> jokes. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and we've got a great podcast for you, apart from the well, rambling at the start. Um, we always have a great podcast, Mark. We I mean, do, that's that, true. That, that's not what's new or exciting, listeners. We are we are consistent and persistent in our good podcasts. <laughs> uh, indeed. <laughs> um, but we've got a bunch of news. Well, you always um, do. And you might not notice a theme in them. Well, we don't. we've worked really hard to try and exclude anything COVID-19 related. I wasn't even going to say it. It's like the great Scottish play. Just don't. Okay, I won't mention just, it. Just only refer to it as, I don't know, these troubles. Uh, but yep. don't, not the troubles, because that's already taken, no, and we don't want that sort of wrong. Yep. trouble. <laughs> but yes, these times. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, times like these. Uh, yes, so uh, yeah, we are we are travel free. In this well, podcast. I think the thing, Mark, and we've got to remember, we we are in New Zealand, which is in its own bubble. We we are a bubble now. We um, yes, we've bubbled ourselves. What is it? We are now four, five days in with no new reported cases. Yes, um, yeah. this doesn't mean you, you should go you... around licking anything, though, Chris. Well, shout out to my dog. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's great that we have no cases, but we are completely bubbled. Yes. Yeah, we're, mm. we're so isolated. Uh, I don't know. There's like books written about us called Boy in the Bubble. Yes. No? Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I get the reference. Um, yeah. So anyway, so. But, but whilst whilst we are now kind of looking forward to um, slightly more freedom, there are others still having a pretty harsh time, right? Yes, there are. There are. Um, and yeah, again, if you're one of those people, we... We, uh, yeah, hope, well, we hope things get better for you. Um, and if things get really worse, just come to New Zealand where we'll lock you in a hotel for two weeks, um, and feed you. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> and then you're just free to do whatever, and it's really cheap and really empty at the moment in New Zealand. Um, well, rambling slightly, but I understand that, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is yes. staying in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah. Well, he's trapped really nice here, isn't he? Awful. But I think it's his choice. Oh, right. You know. Yeah. It's that I'll go I also back to the UK. Very recently that, um, do you remember Noel Edmonds, famous British presenter? Mr. Blobby fame? Yeah. Huh. Blobby. He lives in New Zealand. Yeah. Apparently. Does he? Yeah, that's that's what I heard. Yeah. Actually, hmm. that makes me wonder where Shania Train is. Uh, Twain. Twain? What's her name? Because she owns land in New Zealand. So many people do. James Cameron. Yeah. People are missing out. Even Roland Bland. Now, there's really? a name. Yeah. Do you remember him? No. Uh, Fine Young can- Cannibals. Oh, I remember them. Johnny, um, Johnny Come Home? Yes. Oh, and he's the guy, System of a Down, the singer from System of a Down. Of the Down. Of a Down? Of a Down. Yeah. He's he's here as well. I mean, people just come on over. There's lots of space. There's yeah, little, plenty it's space, disease-free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, we're not sponsored by the uh, New Zealand Tourism Board or Immigration Department. No, we're definitely not. <laughs> um, no. Or anyone else. But should we um, hit some news? Well, yeah, well, we might as well. Let's, let's, just, let's go just for Just in it. case. Yeah. 
Spatial news. That's the short intro. Oh, you've done it. Yeah, we'll just we'll just go with the short. I mean, you know, we've been rambling now for eight minutes, so I think most people are probably most people ready for some news. Of yeah, course, you know something. Now, Mark, uh, let's. Whilst in lockdown, I'm sure, like uh, like me, um, alcohol has been your friend, maybe. <laughs> um, not no more friendly than usual, Chris. I haven't oh, okay, okay. increased or decreased my consumption. You. Well, I have to say I've been a little bit more partial to uh, to wine in particular. Some good reds. Uh, yeah. I do like the people that are actually using their wine cellars. Like, you know, people sort of just sit on their wines like, I don't know, hobbits sit on rings. Oh. And, and now now's the time to use it. Well, indeed, we've, we've definitely been, you know, in that in that space. We don't have a wine cellar per se. We have a, you know... Fridge, cupboard, <laughs> rack, whatever. Um, right, I've been, been enjoying a lot of New Zealand reds, you know, Pinots and uh, that kind of stuff at the moment. Very, very enjoyable. Um, which leads us nicely, kind of, onto to uh, wine scouting and uh, using quick capture and survey one, two, three to just scout just, vineyards. Just to correct you, there, vine counting. What did I say? Wine. Ah, I'm only half a V out. <laughs> you are, and there was no W before. Um, at some time we had to invent a W yeah. two V's together two V's together yeah. uh, so what is this I don't know Chris it, <laughs> it's agriculture it's it's actually horticulture it's well, I, I don't know why I, I mean just, just to I believe just to jump on Elvis Takao now he says in agriculture it's actually horticulture um, agriculture would refer to animals I think it's actually viviculture Oh, he does well, say viticulture, vit- but horticulture is horticulture's a, a a wide ranging word. Sure. Anyway, well, I, I think we we yeah. <laughs> anyway, so someone's flown a drone up and down some vineyards, vineyards. <laughs> Good grief! We're, I'm not even drinking, Chris. No, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking I'm some water. Yeah. Yeah. No excuse. Good grief. Uh, so, S3 have done a one two survey one two three app with a um uh what is it quick capture quick capture as well yeah um to go up and down and inspect doesn't really tell you that much i mean uh, actually we did need to put a disclaimer chris that although we sound quite happy and maybe a little bit tipsy um this is a slightly grumpy podcast no is it just in general yeah just well just in general that you know we're 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 um i don't know Pulling up a few people for some shoddy mapping. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure if this is shoddy. It just maybe a little bit weak. Convince me, Chris. Why is this exciting? Well, I don't think it's shoddy, Mark. I mean, like you know, it's using technology to do some, you know, cool. Well, cool. I don't know. It's using technology to be able to map your uh, vineyard a little better and be able to do some surveys whilst you're out and about. Um, you know, sure. application of technology. The, the real reason was just the opportunity to talk about wine, Mark. I mean, I don't care oh, right. about the technology whatsoever. It's about the wine. Because okay, um, I saw some amazing technology the other week um, doing augmented reality and machine learning on blueberries uh, while they're on the vine, just seeking them out. It's just just incredible. But um, that wasn't with Esri technology. If you've got Esri technology, you can go and take photos and then fill in a form. <laughs> 
I think we should move on for this story. Well, unless, unless, yeah, if you're listening and you happen to be in the Napa Valley, uh, you know, this this might be quite an interesting story for you. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, in saying that, I, you know, as 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 you know, I am I am actually a horticulturalist in my part time, and something like Survey One Two Three would actually be useful to taking into the field if the GPS was more accurate, because currently, you know, our longest row is three hundred meters, and it undulates, so you can't really see to the end. Um, so if there is an issue, you have to tie a um, a ribbon, not a yellow ribbon, but any other colour ribbon around it, and so people will know where it is. Why don't you just use like an augmented GPS receiver? Yeah, you, know, you can get those. Is it Arrow? They do one. You know, it overwrites your phone's GPS receiver. Yeah, probably should. You should probably should. Yes. So look at that. Great discoveries made on this podcast. Well, and we wouldn't have made that discovery without talking about wine and vineyard scouting. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think again, Survey One Two Three good at capturing things fast. Yeah, and 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 quick capture. As its name would suggest, equally, if not faster. I mean, it, well, I, you'd hope so. Maybe they're going to release a quicker capture. <laughs> yeah, once you want to do a quick capture, you can't go much faster, can you? You're kind of limiting <laughs> yourself there. <laughs> just, just on a slightly different note, um, I was a Boy Scout growing up. I'm mean, not growing up. I mean, I, I think you're scout. always a Boy Scout. Well, I was maybe, a Scout maybe. too. But I don't remember my um, my uh, vineyard badge. The wasn't a vineyard badge well there wasn't in new zealand at least yeah i just feel as though vine scouting should <laughs> right was uh, that where you going with that joke it was a dad joke thank you moving on oh no at least dad jokes move usually on. have a punchline people line. might not have noticed move on move on spatial news okay some good stuff i think i got away with it Mark. <laughs> i don't know i'm cringing no. um all right, our, our mate, John Nelson, um, our cobber, our pal, um, he has released some fantastic um, cartography. Mm-hmm. And he's even, he's outdone himself this time, Chris. He has outdone himself. How is that even possible? He outdoes himself every time he does something. Well, because he's actually provided instructions of how he's done it. He often does, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, he's released a pen and ink style. Which is also called stipple. Yeah. Well, is it pen and ink? Is a stipple? Stipple? I don't know. Anyway, it looks really cool, actually, like all his stuff does. But um, if you've ever wondered, you know, uh, what the heck, all the symbology levels in Esri and the ability to, you know, customize the custom thing that you've just customized mm-hmm. for symbology. Um, mm-hmm. Turns out John knows all that stuff. I mean that that is the interesting thing. Uh, I, I I'll admit to getting lost reasonably quickly um, in the you know the symbology tab oh, yeah. pro. Oh but yeah. But it just goes to show if you know what you're doing, you can do some seriously cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, it ends up being pink and blue. Well, if you don't, you end up doing a podcast like us. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, just just a shout out as well. Um, a couple of our colleagues have been doing um, the um, cartography uh, Moog Moog. Yes. Massive online, whatever it's called. <laughs> Massive online. No? Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, and they say it's been brilliant. Uh, and that's been, Kenneth Field has been doing that. And um, yeah. yeah, they've been really enjoying it. Well, I think they've enjoyed actually being stretched 
because quite often you go to training courses and they're like, tick this, tick that, tick that, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one is, is much, much more in depth. Um, so, yeah, and if you jump back a couple of podcasts, uh, there was all that free training we talked about. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good work, John. Uh, we really love you. Love your style. Spatial news. Now, Chris. Yes. Have you been, what's the word for it? Google mapped? Not Google whacked. Google mapped. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to, you're going to have to explain a little bit more. Well, you know, where you get seen in the Google map uh, with the street view. Oh, I don't know. It's definitely been past me, the, the, you know, the vehicle, and I have kind of, you know, <laughs> gesticulated at it. Um, but I haven't actually seen myself. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have that um that notoriety either. Um, I heard of a friend's father who um he's been captured every time Google has driven past every every couple of years in his garden doing the same thing. Perhaps he needs to get out more. No, he's gardening. He's oh, okay, fine. fair enough. Anyway, okay. um, well, it begs the question, Mark. If he's been captured twice, how often are the maps updated? Well, Chris, as you know, in 2005, Google launched an ambitious project to the map to map the world. Yeah. Uh, today, more than one billion people use Google Maps every month. Uh, but Careful, Mark, it sounds like you're reading something. I am. Oh. Um, Google used a thousand authoritative sources, uh, and the imagery. I don't know, Chris. What's the answer? Feel, you know, it's one of those things you read and then you've completely forgotten it. Well, I think what, what, what the interesting thing about uh, this article is... No, um, just tell us the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Um, it's anywhere between one to three years, apparently. Okay. Um, oh, that's the imagery. I apologize. Um, it, bas- it basically... What, what, what the, the story is about how they've been using um, machine learning... Uh, as well to be able to um, understand where there have been updates to the map or where they they are likely to require updates to the map. It's quite cool, uh, quite cool, really. Um, yeah, so they're able to create more buildings, see changes. Mm. Um, they, you know, adding street names, addresses. Because I think that's that, that's the thing about Google Maps is you, you know, oh, Google Maps. It's not. It's got so much information in there. Um, you know, yeah, that that um, it's it's I don't know, almost it. Yeah, calling it a map in a weird way feels uh, as though it's being undersold. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, we all know "get off the map" as is one of our key phrases, and you know the data that Google holds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, although you know, interesting, Chris. There's you know several governments around the world who are, are releasing apps for these troubles. Uh, yeah, um, and. Lots of people going, you know what? I'm not giving the government my data. Um, uh, don't worry about the government. <laughs> Most of them can't find their, uh, their backside with both hands. It's um, Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. It's the others you have to worry about. Well, you mean like sort of Google and Apple? Well, uh, they already have your data, so um, I don't think you have to worry about anything, actually. It's too late, you know. It is too late. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Google Maps receives more than 20 million inputs from its users every day. 
That's more than 200 contributions every second for things like road closures, local store details, the opening of the new business, etc. Yeah, it's it's actually quite nuts that their um, private company is, um, yeah. So, so uh, finally on this, it means, in essence, he says reading, Google Maps is updated constantly, literally every second of the day. Ah, right. There's the answer that we There's the answer, find. yeah. So every second. How often is it updated? Every second. There you go. <laughs> right. It has revolutionized stuff, though, isn't it? Oh, it so has. Maps. I mean, yeah. I, I, just as a little sidebar, I happen to be, I mean, they're not gonna. They're not gonna ever sponsor us. Um, my auntie happened to buy a new car, which was German and had a star in the front, three-pointed oh, okay. star. Yeah. And um, she couldn't use the stereo. Um, and it literally was the hardest user interface. So she said, "Oh, can you have a look?" And I said, "Yes, yeah, sure." And I was just amazed at um, at how hopeless the stereo was or the whole whatever the intelligent computer thing and even down to navigation like when was the last time chris you ever had to like type it in the actual address uh, no. um and you know had a, that dial thing in the center and you have to oh. spin it around to go up and yeah. down and then it had like a a trackpad on part of it and, oh yeah i <laughs> i i went back and said oh, do you think you could get something else that was easier to use different car yeah it, mm. it was amazing. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just like, can't you just plug in your, your Apple or Google phone? <laughs> well, you can now, can't you? Apple CarPlay and Google. Yeah, this didn't have seem Android to have that. Yeah, okay. um, it, you know, it had to use its navigation system. It's like, no, well, I just want to use Google. You get a classy car, hey? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. Yep. Spatial news. Oh, right. The good days, Chris. The future. Just around the corner, Mark. Well, it's already here. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, just missed it. It's just gone. <laughs> That's because we're old and slow. Oh. Um, uh, Mapbox. Yes. We like a bit of Mapbox. We do. Um, and we were perusing the internet uh, for mapping stories. Mm-hmm. And came across... The well, a whole bunch of APIs from Mapbox for augment, augmented reality, and this is the thing you you know you, you always get caught out by is these organisations and you think you you put them in a box and you think well you know this company <laughs> does that. Actually, I and, think you said that to me yesterday, or was it Friday? It may have been. Yes, specifically about Mapbox, saying yeah, they're all right. Yeah. And then you realise they actually do an awful lot more stuff that you didn't know they do. Uh, I guess that's the kind of, you know, uh, most companies are always trying to position themselves to be doing more or, you know, something more than they are, they're, they're, they're currently doing. And um, yeah. Mapbox, obviously, I guess it makes sense. They're looking at um, AR navigation. Yeah. Yeah. In various cities, there's a bunch of, you know, simple as a lane detection API. Yeah. Um, to visions, to um, reading street signs, um, bunch of stuff. Loads and loads of computer vision, which you, you, know, you, you know, seeing more and more of. Um, 
Yeah, it, it it is really funny when you, you, you that story there about your uh, your auntie and uh, you know couldn't give her the stereo to work. Yeah, it, it's funny to think that not too far in the future the car is going to be driving itself, but you still can't get the stereo to work. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's just my accent specifically, Chris, but voice recognition. Um, yeah, sometimes you you yeah lose your rag quite easily. Well, so I've got uh, I've got a Kia Sorento, I think it is, and uh, it's got one of those. Yeah, you press a button and it listens to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, voice, voice. The trouble with it, and this is something I do quite like about um, Alexa, is once you've pressed that button, unless you say the key words, it just goes, "I do not understand." Like, yes, you know, and it just you can't shut the thing up. <laughs> and I do like it with Alexa. You can go Alexa, and you go, help me. Oh, no, I'll just shush, and and it it rec- and it turns off. You know, yeah. and um, yeah, cars aren't that bright as yet. No, it, uh, it pops back to that Google thing that you know, Google, um, Alexa, other things are available are constantly learning, mm. whereas the car is not learning off you at all. It's already no. been programmed. Yep, and unless uh, you you say the exact words that it likes, yeah, with the inflection, yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but but again, I, I think we—I can't remember which podcast it was—but we did talk about the, you know the, the the use of you know Siri and Alexa and Google's uh, yeah whatever Google's assistant is um, yeah being available through your car. You know. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hope things get better, but it is well worth checking out. Uh, Mapbox's uh, yeah the Vision SDK and yeah a few a few other things. Spatial news. Uh, now, Chris, you may want to keep away from your work colleagues. I know I do. <laughs> I was in the office today the first time in, oh no, not the first, third time in about eight weeks. Um, <laughs> and there's only four of us there. Right. I've never been in my office. Um, and But actually this Tuesday I get to go into my office for the oh, first time. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually looking to Looking forward to working with people. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> instead of my, just my shed. Um, but anyway, in case, Chris, you know, the people just get a bit much. Uh, our friends at Cardo mm-hmm. um, have released, I don't know what you'd call it, indoor mapping. Ah, there's more than that. What is it? No, no, keep going. I'm, 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 I love hearing you struggle. Uh, it's an indoor mapping software to help plan staggered returns and shifts uh, to see how the workplace can be used. Yes, and how can you do that, Chris? By using their indoor mapping software. I just said. Clue was <laughs> in the things I said if you're listening. Um, yeah, what, I, what I'm not sure about, I, I suppose we should describe it a bit better, right? They can... You can set high-level floor occupancies. You can uh, identify which workstations are off limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can track who's scheduled to be where. Um, you can, I don't know, map out where people should clean more. It's uh, basically, uh, you know, we've we've tried very hard to stay clear of any COVID-related stories, but this is this is one that slipped through the net. Um, well, no, no, this is just about keeping away from your workmates. Oh, is it? It's got nothing to do with yeah. COVID. It's just being antisocial. Yes, pretty much. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, th- I certainly think that um, post-COVID, uh, you know, 
people's attitude to working in the office in an office has changed uh and uh i think it's not going to be so much around um keeping away from your colleagues i think it's going to be about efficient use of space yes it is um and the article talks about that with their flow analytics yeah like how do we keep people you know optimized going in the right direction in and out of locations to prevent you know coming into closer contact um it also makes me think that you know whenever an Whenever anyone coughs or sneezes in a meeting now, the the death rates they're going to get. But what uh, death rates or death looks? Death looks. Yes. Death, the, the death stares. Yep. People going. What have you got? Yep. Uh, yeah. Um. But we're seeing lots of indoor indoor mapping solutions. I think what we like about Cardos is it's easy to accessible. It's easy to access. Um. The budget is you know. Their, their charging's quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got a really, yeah, a really mature, stable product. Yeah, well worth checking out. Spatial news. Now, the people who refuse to sponsor us, well, we don't know if they refuse. They just have never contacted us. I think they, clearly they, they aren't listening to this podcast enough. <laughs> Which is surprising considering how many people download it in China. <laughs> uh, but DJI and Autel, who we have actually never mentioned, I don't think. No. Um, but they are another big drone manufacturer out of China. Um, they're suing each other. Well, of course. Uh, in what's described as an epic legal battle. Sounds like something from Marvel. It does, doesn't it? Uh so this dates back to 2016 when um, Autel said, hey, uh, DJI, your landing, the way your landing legs connect to the drone is very similar to ours. Yes, basically it's, uh, it's one of those uh, pattern infringement cases. Um, and uh, I understand this is in the U.S., um, the uh, last week, the chief Administra- administrative law <laughs> judge of the U.S. International Trade Commission uh, has ruled in favour of Autel and has recommended that all DJI um, drones that apparently infringe this patent be removed from U.S. shelves. Yeah, which it's it's quite big. I mean, it's not just the president who's out to no no get I mean, them. It's, this it's is everybody this, now. This is the judge. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, this doesn't actually mean a definite result because of course you can, um, you can appeal and uh, keep going back and forth, back and forth. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting. They're both suing each other for the way they, well, there's other, there's other infringements going on as well, but the legs one seems to be the most relevant. Yeah. I don't know. I always find the whole pattern thing crazy that you can pattern how a leg connects to something or I don't know. Yeah, I would have thought it's it's the advantage. I mean, I suppose we're not lawyers. No, no, that's we're not. Uh, Just to disclaim yet again. Yeah. Um, But I mean, just in case anybody thought we were. I mean, it's 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 not quite revolutionary the way a leg attaches to a drone. No. Um, well, and it, 
Maybe and it's it. probably not about the revolution. This, it's, you know, it's about the principle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. But what's really funny is you then go and look at the say Autel X Star Premium, for example. Yes. Uh, it looks an awful lot like a Phantom Three drone. Uh, sh- sure, but Chris, can you design a drone for me with uh, four rotors? What on four arms that kind of extend from the main body of the drone? And well, it doesn't have to be four arms, but it probably is because that reduces weight. I mean, it it you're kind of going, yeah. And then put the camera somewhere, Chris. Where are you going to put the camera? Oh, underneath. Okay. Probably. Yeah. 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 So um, now you've just infringed the DJI Phantom Three. Well, this is what's quite interesting is because um, I think previously DJI had tried to sue Autel over. Yeah, the X the X Star, which looked an awful lot like the Phantom. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. That was a counter to the previous one because Autel started this basically. It's uh, yeah, back and forth. Back. You would have thought they got better things to do, wouldn't you? I would have thought there's bigger trolls in Train World than uh, than how your legs attach. Well, I, I wonder have because um, DJI have uh, obviously been uh, they've taken a bit of a hammering in the US, you know, because all information is sent back to China. Um, <laughs> So that's yeah, you know, allegedly that's what the you know. The, yeah, let's just keep it legal. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder what Autel is. Autel just kind of gone. Don't look over here. Don't look over here. Or well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. Nice looking drones though, Autel. Nice. Maybe we should get sponsored by them. I I actually do like the look of their drone. I think they look so much better than the the DJI's. So and just, much better. Just to rub a little bit of salt on the wound, I like the way the legs. Attach. Oh, beautiful legs. <laughs> like, I, 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 just that attachment itself is amazing. The DJI one's just a little bit too functionary. It's like an engineer's designed it, whereas the hotel like one copied something. I don't know. I no, just, well, I, yeah. I who knows? Know. Who knows? Who knows? All right, let's move on. Oh, okay. Email us at geodorable at gmail.com. That was just in case you've got complaints. Address them to Chris. <laughs> Spatial news. Right. Ah, grumpy face, grumpy face. Oh, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> this is from one of our listeners, um, Todd. Yes. Hey, Todd. Um, and he goes, speaking of bad maps, <laughs> have a look at this sucker. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, you uh, are. But actually, it's pretty much what he said. Yeah. Um, and this is from The Age, which is an Australian newspaper mm-hmm. of, of some repute. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, it's about a crowdsourced map of Melbourne about the was it the least dangerous cycling no, spots so it, just it, it, just to add to confusion yeah so it's where cyclists have said they've felt unsafe cycling yeah and no we're not going to call that any biased in the um, in the article I mean when you use like words like scariest dangerous um what else is there oh there's a bunch of other uh <laughs> things in but, but i think words that are motive our most got, feared locations as a often roads i mean you ride as well your bike not often on the roads i take you're, you're more mountain bike but um yeah. i often ride my road my road bike and uh you know cars are large chunks of metal that go really fast and hurt a lot if they hit you um so i, I you know I'm, I'm not quite nothing against the word 
scary or anything like that but i do agree the map in itself is kind of terrible uh yeah the uh, it's hard to work out whether they're suburbs and i think they kind of are suburbs but then they don't adhere to the suburb boundaries they're very um, triangular suburbs if you know what i mean very angular sorry i should say yeah very angular and they overlap which i've never seen suburbs well they do in auckland don't they because you increase house price if you can get into that right suburb um but yeah um what what's interesting is this is the perception of um of how safe cyclists feel mm-hmm. as opposed to the facts of how many crashes there are in, lo- in lots of places and we're not saying crash data is good um because it only looks at crashes it doesn't look at non-crashes yeah, what gets reported right yeah um but yeah i i don't know and the data isn't normalized it's not comparable um yeah, it, it well, well, feels like a do. sort of a beat up of it, um, of car people. It's it's kind of unclear. We've got this really weird kind of grayscale. Um, yeah, I mean, it starts with least unsafe spots, which actually takes some thinking about to work <laughs> out what a least unsafe spot is. Which now, Chris, is least unsafe. I want you to walk across the road in the least unsafe way as possible. Yeah. Uh, don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, through to the most unsafe spots, which, okay, fair enough, that, that kind of makes sense. But then the colour scale from like light grey through to kind of a basically dark grey, it doesn't, nothing stands out. It's hard, hard to read the map. <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't know if they're shooting themselves in the foot, but you know, they have a, a Haymarket roundabout. I'm not sure where Haymarket is. Um, dubbed the roundabout of death I don't know by who um, but it was given a hundred thousand dollar upgrade cool um, after the crowd sports 2016 survey identified it as one of the state's most dangerous spots um, but it doesn't say I don't know where it is on this one no that well um, and yeah it's just like well okay there's already something else out there that's that's doing it can, can we not talk about the change like maps should show change they should show function i don't know i think i think basically what i'm taking from this is one it's a bad map you know but you could i mean the story is actually you know it's interesting it's valuable um Ooh. but you've got to, you've got you've got to do something better than this to to kind of demonstrate yeah, maps paint a thousand words. So in this case, they uh, are mostly in grayscale and not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm just reading about the roundabout of death. Um, now, Chris, how many deaths do you think there have been at the roundabout of death? A couple of thousand, clearly. Uh, I mean, yeah. any, any death really is too many. Yeah, well, well, there was a zero in it and uh, that's it. The roundabout what? The roundabout of death has had no deaths <laughs> before it was upgraded and after. But it has been the scene of 14 crashes since 2012, resulting in 23 injuries. See, that's un- unclear whether that's even on bicycles. Oh, no. Motorcyclists have hit the most five, followed by cyclists four, pedestrians three, and motor vehicles two. <laughs> okay. Well, still, any crash is, is, is a crash too many, but... Um Yes, it, it sees 25,000 vehicles a day. Sure. 
and they've only had um tw- what did you say 14 crashes that's pretty good going good driving australia well done <laughs> i still think their uh their, their map could uh do with an awful lot of work <laughs> anyway mark moving on and uh, i should say thanks to todd we we do like people uh sending us maps of interest yes or uh well, in this case, maps, maps not, of not uninterest. Yeah, it's it, it's the least most interesting uninteresting map. Yes, it's the least uninteresting. Is this? Yeah, what you're trying to say? Okay. Uh, Spatial news and keeping Australian. Oi, oi, oi! And, uh, and not so much news as such as a, as a uh, interesting. Well, this um, is it is new. Okay. It's an interesting data collection, I would say. Kind of, but, you know, worrying out grumpy face later. <laughs> but the Australian National University, the ANU, has released its um, Asia-Pacific map collection. Um, and, you know, we like an old map, because mm. we're our old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they've got maps there from... 1600 to 1699 or all the way actually to 1899 um must have newer maps in that as well and you can go through and see them and it's not just of australia no it's not it's uh it's all over the show well asia pacific really asia pacific chile which we all know is in the asia pacific Uh, india uh, israel a few new zealand maps which are good like to see Uh, that yeah middle east uh nepal Asia Pacific, Palestine. Um, yeah, so the, but yeah, we all like browsing through maps, and you know we talked last week about old globes last yep. last podcast. Yeah, um, and this week we're talking about old maps. Um, so yeah, have a look for that. It's open research. We'll stick it up on our on our uh, what do you call it website. Um, but just to bring out the grumpy Chris, because it is the grumpy podcast. Um. When I like for maps, I really like to look for them with a map. Yeah, I'm currently looking at the uh, the map sheets for Fiji. Um, one right. to 1,584, it's an imperial scale. <laughs> yes. Um, from the 1960s. And yeah, uh, it's just the sheet number. So the H8355 or the H18159 <laughs> or the... And you go, well, that doesn't help me. I don't know where that is. Yeah. Um, I mean, just we, you know, there's a product, a product thing offering in New Zealand called Retro Lens, mm-hmm. which at least allows you to zoom to the location and it will show you um, what photos are available. It won't actually show you the photos over the map, which I find a little bit annoying, but at least you can see them in the catalog. Yeah. Aerial photos. Yep. Yeah, but with this, I can't zoom around the world um, and I have to know what I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, and the uh, it doesn't look as though any of the images are, are geo-rectified either. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, mm. Which I, I can kind of get if they've got 5,000 maps or something, haven't they? Yeah, uh, but that's what students are for. That is Come true. On. You know, it looks good on your CV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, again, it's really good to see the data coming out. Uh, we should put should point out the copyright has expired on all these maps 30,000 mm. of them mm. 
Um, so if you were thinking of invading somewhere, you don't have to worry about... Um, as long as you don't need it up to date. Yeah. You know. <laughs> or you just jump on Google Maps if you're going to do... You know. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> that does remind me of uh, when we were working in uh, a certain country that wasn't New Zealand or, or the UK. And uh, the aerial photos that supplied us all the um, the photos of the airbase were all blurred out. <laughs> um, but you could just jump on Google and see them anyway. Well, yes. It's like, um, I, I know what you've tried to do, but yeah, you haven't quite seen the whole picture. All right, and that is the news, Chris. It is, yeah. Uh, good news. Well, I... We're just going to roll into it, aren't we, Mark? So, topic of the week is... Oh, hang on. Should I play it? Oh, go on then. Topic of the week. Topic of the week, Chris. One of our favourite topics. Yeah, well, yeah, so kind of following on from the uh, the historic maps that have been uh, released by the uh, Australian National University... um, so much stuff out of Australia. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the New South Wales Spatial Digital Twin. Oh yeah, and we love a good digital twin. Well, we've talked about digital twins quite a lot. I think uh, we did a couple of episodes. I think fifty yep. and fifty-one. We um, talked to um, James Fee. James Fee. There we go. Hmm. About digital twins and smart cities. Um, yeah, and there's a number of these popping up. Um, yeah, we you know Singapore, um, they they're doing a good one, um, and then lo and behold, our, our neighbours across the ditch, yes, yeah, uh, which is the Tasman Sea for those who are unfamiliar with that term, um, or the the West Island as we like to call them, <laughs> um, they have gone and done a digital twin, Chris, and how excited are you? Well, uh, I did find this and go, hey, this should be our topic of the week because yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, now, we should be clear before we you know, launch into it that this is currently, it's their MVP, Minimal Viable Product. Um, it's not like, you know, fully fledged by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and uh, that's kind of apparent as you as you kind of get into <laughs> it. Um but what they're trying to do is combine a whole bunch of uh, data sets from a whole bunch of organizations uh, and have live data and 3D data and, uh, you know, kind of start building that digital twin for, for New South Wales, which is quite impressive. Yeah. Now, now let's go through some aspects of a digital twin, Chris. Uh, what would we expect? A few acronyms. Let's go IoT. Yeah, you definitely want to see, um, you know, live data coming through, right? Um, yeah, and you want to see it dynamic, um, yep. but it's not just like, like you want to see sensors. Mm-hmm. Um, so you 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 know the 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 data coming back is is living, breathing, if you like. Yep. That that that's one of the outcomes of a digital twin. Yep. Uh, what else would you like to see in a digital twin? Uh, well, I, I think uh, I'm I'm quite into the whole three D side of things digital well oh yes arguably 4d you know you want some time in there as well yeah yeah you know you need to be able to uh you need to be able to i think make decisions from it you know test hypothesis and theory and um yeah but basically the whole idea of digital twin is that you can test it and see what it's going to do 
Yeah, it's a replica of a, a yeah. living or non-living physical entity. Um, right. So is that what we've got here then, Mark? No. Mm. Now, it ticks some of those things. Um, you know, I mean, digital twins are buzzwords along with AI and machine learning and that sort of thing. Um, but we don't really have this. We have some of it. Um, it's, is it in 3D, Chris? Parts of it. Well, no, the whole the map is a globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There are three D buildings in it. There are. They've got some really nice uh, meshes of um, downtown Sydney, and uh, where else have they got um, Brisbane other, as well? Yeah, other places. Yep. Okay. Um, now, is there any sensor data in there, Chris? <sighs> kind of pushing it. There's a few air quality. Sensors? Yes. Is that live? Uh, not well. Mm. There's rainfall in there as well. Yeah. Um, well, actually, it kind of, um, it kind of is for the fire. Um, for the fire hotspots. So that's processed off the satellites. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the last thirty-six hours. Um, okay. Thinking. Yeah, so you know, fires. it's got it's got a lot of uh, yeah transport. So it's got live transport. So it's got you know trains and buses moving around, and I think it's about five or six second um, update. Yeah, which is kind of ironic, but I suppose I don't know five six seconds is okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, it's not really going to make much difference to me whether my bus is where it is within you know five seconds. But well, yeah, I think we'll get onto that. But okay, let's talk about is it a is it a digital twin, Chris? Uh, no, no. What what is it? It's a map. It, it is a map. Three D stuff on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, yeah. There's there's probably some more politics, and no doubt we'll get a bit of comic correspondence of it. Um, but it it is just a map. It's it's not a great map like the UI. It uses cesium, so that's just. Um, split those two cesium's great mm-hmm. um, and but the good thing about the good thing about cesium is that you don't get boxed into having to use um, other people's um, widgets or something else right you can go write your own yep. user interface which is yep. which is all cool um, but I'm not sure you should choose to write a bad user interface yeah it's an interesting one isn't it um, yeah we were talking about yeah, bad maps earlier and it's difficult with this, right? So it is a it is an MVP, and therefore, yeah, it gets a certain degree of uh, of, of leeway. But to say something's in three D because you've symbolised it in three D does not make it three D, right? Oh, you've jumped onto that baby already. Well, it kind of annoys me. <laughs> when I say kind of, it really does annoy me. The uh, so one of the examples there is house prices. House yeah. prices in three D, Chris. I'm not sure how you do that. How do you do that? Well, I can imagine maybe if, you know, the house price is your Z and, you know, you can... Oh, yeah, like a histogram bar yeah, coming out of Yeah, something like that would be quite interesting. Yeah, so That's how have they done? How have they done it? Yeah, they've just symbolised it with a dollar sign and made it as a 3D symbol. <laughs> yes, and yeah. that's not actually useful. No. Oh, but can you see, I mean, maybe maybe it's actually real life, Chris. Does, will this dollar sign um, shade my house during during the winter? 
Will it what? No. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. Uh, and it, and it's a couple of other. You, you know, you, we can carry on being a little critical if you like. Um, you know, you you click on that dollar sign and you get your 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 pop up, uh, and uh, they haven't gone to the the bit where. And again, it's MVP, 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 and you can keep on coming back to MVP and and forgive things, right? But there's no point in having the object ID. Nobody knows what that is. Like, you know, I'm no. a member of the public. Oh, it's got an object ID of 774214.5. Who cares? It's, it's irrelevant. Uh, you know, the, the, yeah, it's that kind of not, not putting spaces between words. Uh, just yeah. Not capitalizing. All those kind of little tweaks that make something go from looking quite techy to something that is more user friendly. And I yeah. think it, it definitely needs that kind of polish. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell which data sets came from shapefiles. Yes, because, of course, there's only eight characters for the yeah. field heading. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's ambitious to call this a digital twin. Yes. Uh, do, do, do we think, you know, it um, could become closer to the, the kind of the perceived notion of a digital twin? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think I think one of the fundamental things of a digital twin is actually to get off the map and then get back onto it. Oh, you've got to explain that to our listeners. <laughs> well, you and take then. the data and, and you analyze it and what have you, and you do, you do your intelligence with it, and then you can display it back on the map. But you're, you, to visualize your decisions or to, as, you know, as they say, a digital twin helps you to model something. Should we change this road? Should we do this? Should we do that? And what what's the effect, right? And that's yep. that's really good for visualization, but the processing is in the back end. Um, what we have here is a map with a bunch of layers on it with no analysis. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, um, and the the other thing again, uh, the, the interface. I don't mind it. I'm not. I'm not falling in love with it anytime soon. I don't mind it, but again, it's been built by people who have forgotten that most people don't understand the the kind of broad GIS concepts that we yeah. know and love. Right? You know, um, I don't want to start with a blank map. I want to start with something that's got something in there already. That you know. I shouldn't start with a blank map and then go, oh, I need to see so-and-so and so-and-so and then add it in. You know, you need to, you need to help the user. Yeah, you kind um, of need some themes or something. Yeah, you know. Oh, I'm interested in property. Okay, these are the property layers that we're going to put on. You know, I'm interested in transport. Well, these are the transport layers that we're going to kind of put on. But just to have a blank map and then a data catalogue, that does not help your average Joe. You know, and, and ultimately that's who, who you've got to think about. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots. Uh, yeah, the the weird thing is, and this is you know uh, what, what we were talking about is okay. So as an MVP and as a digital twin, hey, it's an MVP. Is it digital twin? No, it's not, right? But in terms of, and this kind of feeds back to the yeah the the the, the historic data that's been released. Um, yeah, they've got a, a topic called related maps, and if you go and look at that, there is so much information that's being made publicly available. Um, yeah, by the Australian government. Well, governments. Governments. Um, 
Well, the government know, bodies. And, and yeah, and there's been obviously a huge amount of work done in the background to bring those various data sets together. You know, so so they have something called uh, National Map, which is about giving you access to... Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're talking good things now, Chris. Well, I think good things in terms of there's a whole range of data sets and Australia's done well, a really good job of being, making that available. Yeah, I mean, not not to blow their own blow their trumpet for them. Um, but, man, uh, in comparison to the data sets available in New Zealand, mm. this is so much better. Who knew that national agencies could release data to the public without charging to it, charging for it? Just, just mind-blowing. Well, I'm kind of assuming my taxes have already paid for it, haven't they? No, because you need to pay extra. Oh. Uh, for some strange reason. Damn um, Just, yeah, I mean, so what's good about the digital twin? It has all these data sets on it. And then if you're really, really excited about data, you can go to National Map and you can see even more data sets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are certainly data sets in here that you kind of go, well, why? <laughs> I, I think of the, you know, the fuel price one makes me laugh. Um, well, yeah, so I think jumping on that, it does it better in National Map than it does in the Digital Twin, but it provides the API. Yeah. And that's the gold dust there, Chris. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, as a, as a data consumer, as whatever I'm doing for whoever, I can go get that fuel price. I can go get the fire hotspot and I can do some analysis that, I, that makes a better outcome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. What are we saying? Um, well, I, well, MVP. Okay. So we're we're being we're being kind <laughs> of forgiving. It's an MVP. MVP. MVP well, forgiving, uh, yeah. Forgiving. Apart from the fact it's not a digital twin. Like, well, yeah. Okay, so I've given you a digital twin. Now you've given me a map. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a map that's got. I mean, you know, it's got access to. Uh, you know, stuff, lots of stuff. I mean, there's a shed load of data here. It's just, yeah, it, yeah. It's still not digital twin. It's like, um, it's it's basically a New South Wales data catalogue. Yeah, but at least it's spatial. Sure, 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 um, sure, sure. And and to be slightly fairer, um, if you log in, if you have a login, which we obviously don't, um, then there are extra layers there, and maybe they're more digital twinny. Um, but I don't quite see the sensors. I don't quite see the IoT. I don't quite see it living. No, it's not living. I, I totally agree with that. I think. Um, and and what would you actually need to to kind of make a a digital twin of a city? I think you need far more information than. Um, yeah. <laughs> than what you've what you've already got. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were critical of Singapore a bit in that they could only model certain aspects. Yeah. Um, they couldn't model, you know, some of the um, congestion and what have you. Um, and on this, I don't think we could model that at all. No, no, not at the moment. But, you know, more data is going to, yeah, more data is, is going to be added. And it certainly, well, I think what this highlighted for us really was one, um, yeah, if, if you compared what um, New South Wales have done you know, for their area to what's happened for your area, you know, what's that like? You know, for for, for us, if I think about, you know, the data available in Auckland, uh, it's nowhere near as, as, as uh, you know, as, as deep or as, as available as, as yeah. what um, we've got here. Um, 
don't know. What's it like in the US? It'd be interesting to know. Um, you know how it compares. Is it very much on a state by state level? Is it uh, you know? I imagine it's county by county almost. Yeah, could be. Um, could be. But yeah, so it's really good to see organisations um, who have taken your dollar, using it and giving you your data back. Yes, indeed. Um, and just a word on cesium. It's nice, isn't it? Oof, so smooth. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, uh, for an open source um, thing, yeah. uh, it's it's quite sweet. And it's worth checking out. Um, was it cesium stories? I think we were having a look at. Yeah. Yeah. If you click was... on cesium at the bottom. It's got cesium stories and. Yeah, well worth having a look on as well. Yeah, some fantastic examples of um, of what they can do and. Yeah. The depth of information. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's even a story there about um, uh, cesium working with Komatsu uh, to build a digital twin. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's our topic of the week. Slightly grumpy. Well, uh, just a kind of you know MVP. Well, we're going to have to revisit this, right? Because I think yeah, as an MVP, it's yeah, you know, it's it's pushing the boundaries of uh, I don't know. It's not really a digital twin. No, regardless of whether it's an MVP or not, it's still not really a digital twin. Um, but it's it's got plans, and I think that's that's the thing we're going to have to come back to this in say twelve months' time and see where they've got to. Yeah. Yeah, and again, um, we we really like the openness of the data, the fact you yeah, can get absolutely. hold of an API, um, all all stuff. I mean, New Zealand, we can download data, and then you got to store it and get it updated and what have you. Oh, and, and every uh, government, or, yeah, government yeah. department does it in a slightly <laughs> different way, of course. And they're busy rolling out their own uh, yeah, uh, Esri or other software vendors data catalog, and you're like, yep. no, just stick it in the same place. Yeah. And then let me search by a map. Please let me search yeah. by a map. And let me have access to the data that arguably I've already paid for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> right. That was our podcast, Chris. Well done. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us with our slightly grumpy edition. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in this world of, 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 of darkness, at least we're only grumpy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know. Anything else to comment, Chris? Hope you're staying well and healthy out there, yep. you know. Um, Keep your emails coming. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, next time. We'll uh, catch you then. Yep. We will see you later.